following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to Psalm 112, verses 1 to 3. My wife loves cruising. If you want to have a conversation with Anne about cruising you will see her eyes light up. She loves cruising. Now, I went on my first cruise when I was 12 years of age. My, it was 1971. And uh, my parents wanted to go back to Italy for a visit. And believe it or not, in 1971, it was cheaper to cruise to Italy than to fly to Italy. Can you believe that? And so... Uh, it took one month to get there and one month to get back. And by chance, there was a round-the-world trip. And, and so we actually went via the Panama Canal into South America, then across to Europe, and then came back via South America. So I was on a cruise for two months. It was awesome, absolutely awesome. And so when we got married, I always wanted to take Anne on a cruise, but no, she didn't want to go. She was scared of getting seasick. She was getting scared of uh, sharks and scared of spiders and scared of whatever. You, you know the story. You know, there's, there's all sorts of things to stop you from doing adventures. But about six years ago, we finally convinced Anne to do a cruise on the Mediterranean. And uh, that's it. That was the end of the story. Because now I've created a rod for my back. Because every year now she wants to cruise. And one of the reasons is because she just loves the fact that she gets up and there's breakfast and there's lunch and there's dinner and there's just a show. And it's just, it's just the best holiday because you do nothing. And, uh, you know, they change your bed every moment. Matter of fact, even if you get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, by the time you get back, they've changed your sheets and your towels. No, I'm only kidding. That's a bit of an exaggeration. And, uh, but it, it feels like that. But, uh, but I, heard, I heard the story of, uh, of, of an Italian who migrated to America. And in order to migrate back in those days, the only way to get there was by ship. And, uh, and you had to pay for your fare. And so he used up all of his life savings to get across, to buy this fare. And um, never, ever been on a ship before, never, ever cruised before. The only thing he'd ever done was catch a train. And, uh, and, so, and so consequently, he bought the absolute cheapest fare that there was because he just wanted to get across to America. And so having no understanding of cruising, no understanding of what went on, he felt that he just was happy to be on this ship getting away from the poverty of his homeland to get across to the streets made of gold in America. But one of the things that, that would grab his attention was mealtime, when everybody would go out to get the meals and breakfast and lunch and dinner. All these people would line up to get the meals, but he had no money. He used all of his money to pay for the fare. And so he had a bit of bread and a bit of cheese and he'd go into his cabin and, be, and, and eat the bread and cheese. And, and so after the trip, 
the steward came up to the man and he says, how did you enjoy the trip? He says, that was fantastic. I'm so glad we're about to disembark and I'm in America. And the steward said to him, you know, one thing that I noticed that I was really curious about was, was during dinner time, you would, rather than go and eat, you'd go to your cabin and eat your bread and cheese. And, and the man said to him, he says, well, I, I didn't have any money. I only had enough just to pay for the fare. And the steward said, didn't anybody tell you that the meals were included in your fare? He said, why did you tell us that story? Well, the point is this, that when Jesus paid the price on the cross... For your salvation, he also paid the price for all the blessings that come with salvation. All the blessings, all the blessings. And some people are on this journey just with the hope of getting to the other side of salvation without realizing that there are actually 7,000 487 blessings in the Bible on top of your salvation. You say, how long did it take you to work that one out? Well, actual fact, someone else did the working out for me. A guy called Everett R. Storm spent a year and a half counting how many blessings were in the Word of God. And he came up with 7,487. And no one's had enough time to work out whether he's right or wrong. But, uh, but let's, let's, let's call it 7,500. How many of you think that's roughing it to the, to the closest? There's 7,500 promises of blessing in the Word of God. And, 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 and I, you know, I mean, Paul basically summarizes by saying God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ in Ephesians 1.3. But the point that I'm making is this. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, it says this. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And on this journey, how much knowledge do you have of the fact that God wants to bless you? How, many, how much knowledge do you have? of what these 7,487 promises of blessings are. How committed are you to discover what's yours? Are you committed to reading the inclusion list in your fare ticket of what's included? Because that poor guy, if he'd read what was included, he would have realized meals are included. Breakfast, lunch and dinner. The shows are included. Isn't that right, sweetheart? They're all included. And that's why she loves it because she, she read the list of what's included. And she found out, my wife found out, that if she wants to, she can actually have a cabin steward bring a breakfast in bed. How about that? So she'd send me up to get her a cup of tea in bed. And I'm happy to do that because happy wife is happy life. You understand that, guys. But what's the inclusions on this journey? What are the inclusions? And you know what? I've committed myself this year to share with you what the inclusions are on this journey. Why is that? Because God spoke to me last year and said, this year is a year of blessing and favor upon those that want it. It's coming. Blessing and favor. How many of you want blessing and favor upon your life? Okay. So what I'm going to do this morning is share with you three magnets that will attract blessing into your life. Three magnets. And this is from Psalm 112. Three things, three magnets that will actually attract 
You, how many of you know that, that magnets have, have two poles? And if you put the wrong poles together, they actually repel. But if you put the right poles together, they attract. And so, and so it's important that we actually polarize ourselves towards the blessing. So we attract the blessing rather than polarize ourselves away from the blessing to repel them. And so this morning, I'm going to share with you what attracts blessing to you, what repels blessing from you. You ready for this? So Psalm 112. Let's read those first three verses. Bless the Lord. It says It starts off with praise the Lord. Everybody say praise the Lord. Praise Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. And this is what it promises you. Are you ready for this? It says your descendants will be mighty on the earth. How many of you want mighty descendants on the earth? We're Stephen, Christelle, and Daniel. Mighty, mighty on the earth. My descendants. Promises are they will be mighty on the earth. My descendants is also Bianca. She'll be mighty on the earth. She's my daughter-in-law. Then it says the generations of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in their house. And his righteousness endures forever. How many think this is awesome? How many think this is great? Okay, well, the conditions are this, that there are three things that you need to get into your life to create this sort of blessing. Okay, so the first one, it starts with praise the Lord. Everybody say praise the Lord. Giving praise to God will attract blessing to your life. Whereas not acknowledging God, not acknowledging his provision, will repel blessing away from your life. So it starts the psalm with praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I love Psalm 100. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. So you want to get into the presence of God? Just understand that God loves an attitude of gratitude. Everybody say, attitude of gratitude. How many people spend their whole day whining? Whining. How many people do you know that just constantly whine? They constantly whine. Next time you hear them whine, just say this to them. Would you like a little bit of cheese with your wine? They'll go, huh? You just go away and laugh and think. My pastor told me to say that. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> what a rude pastor. But how many of you know that the atmosphere of whining, whinging, complaining is such a destructive atmosphere? You get a group of people and, and, and they just go, and, and they just, the whole thing just caves in, you know, just the atmosphere is just. But then, but then there's another atmosphere where people are just full of gratitude. They're just full of praise. That's awesome. John, that was awesome worship leading today. How many of you, how many of you love that? I just love that worship. That was great. You know, I just love the fact that you're dancing because we prayed for you when you were a little kid. What was the issue with your ankle? Where's, where's the microphone? Get, Chris, give him a microphone because how many of you saw John dancing? 
But you know, when he was 10 years of age, I, st- I remember praying for How old are you now? How old are you now? Um, 28. 28. <laughs> yeah, okay. But I remember praying for you 18 years ago when you were 10. And what was the issue with your ankles? The bones just kept growing in the ankle. And um, they fused up and it's like, like mountains lifting up and um, just swelling. I couldn't walk for about nine months. Yeah. Cold packs went all day. Yeah. yeah. And what's the story now? Ah, he's dancing, you know. How many of you think that's awesome? God's done a miracle in your life. And, and I was just, you know, I, I, was, I was watching you dancing before the Lord this morning. And I was just, I just remembered. We prayed for John when he was not able to walk. And God's healed him. God somehow just re, redid the bones in his ankles. And he's just walking and jumping and leaping and praising God. How many of you know that's something to praise God about? It's just great to be grateful. It's just great to live life grateful. Let me tell you, husbands, if you are grateful towards your wife, she will actually radiate. But if you are just a whinger and a complainer and a constant pulling you down, you know what? You get what you speak to. You want a princess in your home, then create an atmosphere where the princess walks into the house. Can I just flip that over to the ladies and say, you want a slob? Just call him that. Just speak that into his life. You know, if you want a demotivated man, just tell him all the things that he's doing wrong. How pathetic he is, how hopeless he is. Just speak that into his life constantly and you'll end up living with the slob. But if you want to live with Prince Charming, you want to live with Mr. Romance, you want to live with Mr. Baffed and Strong and Handsome, speak it into his life. Just tell him. Just tell him how great. <laughs> oh, I need all the encouragement possible. Thanks, Dion. Come on. You're speaking into his life, you know. And so it's, it's what you speak to each other. That creates an atmosphere into your home, you know. Do you ever are you grateful for the little things or you're always looking for the things that are not done well? And that's the same thing with God, you know. When we come into his presence, are we people that have got praise in our mouth or are we people that are constantly whinging to God? Do you look for what he's done in your life? Do you look for the little things? I'm telling you, we live in this country of amazing blessing. My goodness, we, we ought to start from the beginning of the morning and not finish until the end of the night thanking God for all the wonderful things that he's given us he has already blessed us and let me tell you that attitude attracts blessing like a magnet uh, praise the Lord number two the second thing that attracts blessing is the fear of God I want to talk to you this morning about the fear of God I want to give you some balanced teaching on the fear of God because there's been some unbalanced teaching on the fear of God. So one extreme is the fear of God that I was brought up with in a very legalistic Pentecostal setting. And that fear of God was God is out to beat you up. You know, there's this fear of God where God is all powerful and just waiting with a big stick to knock you on the head and and you're constantly walking in this sort of fear of God. Can I say that that is one extreme that puts people into legalism that doesn't do any good for them? 
Then the other flip side of that is where we've replaced fear of God with another phrase called the grace of God. And so now what we're saying, and this, hey, the Bible is about grace of God, but it doesn't replace fear of God with the grace of God. They're two concepts that we have to hold together. So, so, so the extreme grace of God teaching is where, hey, fear of God's been replaced in the New Testament with grace of God. So just do whatever you want to do and God's grace covers it. Bum, bum, wrong. Why is that? Because fear of God is mentioned over a hundred times in the Bible and quite a few times in the New Testament. Can I give you a balanced teaching on the fear of God? Are you ready for this? A balanced teaching on the fear of God? Because it's a concept. It's a concept. And, and, and the concept biblically is a concept that is actually lifted up. It's actually seen as a badge of greatness. And so how many of you remember the story of Cornelius? That, uh, that, that he was a, a great man. He loved God. He gave alms generously. And one of the badges of honor for him is that he feared God. He had this, this sense of he and his family feared God. I mean, remember the story of, of the Roman centurion whose servant was sick. And so, I, I mean, the fact is that they went to Jesus, petitioned on, be, on his behalf. And one of the badges of honor that they gave this centurion was he's a man who fears God. And so the concept... Here's the concept, is someone who acknowledges God, someone who is God aware. And so, and so I've got a quote for you, and it's my quote. The fear of God is to be aware that you are continually in his presence, and he is scrutinizing your thoughts and behavior according to his standard of holiness. So it's this awareness that we're in the presence of God. It's this God awareness that brings this this whole understanding of the fear of God. See, godless people don't have fear of God. And and, and so the Bible actually talks about these people, they don't fear God. And so because they don't fear God, there's there's, there's no sense of godliness in their lives. But when you fear God, there's this sense of godliness. Let, let, Let me explain it to you. Let me give you an illustration. Anna and I just come back from holidays. Can anybody see the tan on the man? Can you see the red on the girl? So, uh, but that's, that's, that's a great tan for Anne, okay? She's got a great tan. And, um, but we, we drove up to the Gold Coast and then drove back. And we drove back on Friday. And I have never seen so many police patrols on the road as I saw on Friday. My goodness, I think every police car in New South Wales was on the road on, uh, on, on Friday and yesterday and today and tomorrow. If you're driving, be careful. So, but anyway, I'd, I'd already determined that I was going to break speed limits. I said to Anne, I am going to sit on the speed limit, not one kilometer more, on the speed limit. Why is that? Because last year I lost eight points in one hit. It was double the merits. I was on my motorbike. And um, anyway, I won't go through. No excuses. I paid the fine. I'm you know, doing the time and it's okay. <laughs> but no more. Okay. So this is what I noticed. I noticed with me especially. Was 
You see a sign saying, radar camera up ahead. And what do you do when you see that big sign and you know that there is a camera with a radar? What do you do? You make sure that you are not going over. And if you're going one kilometer over the speed limit, what happens? You just slow right down just to make sure that you're doing it right. It's called the speed camera zone. How many of you understand the speed camera zone? How many, of you, how, many of you, how many of you wives notice something happens to your husband's behavior in the speed camera zone? How many of you husbands that have got wives with lead foots also notice? Because there's some of you husbands there whose wives drive faster than you. Yeah, how many, how, yeah, yeah, I know, I know you're out there. You give us the blame, but I know, man, I've been overtaken with these girls. What? Leaving church? Watch out! <laughs> We're at home. Got food to eat. It's called the speed camera zone. And what happens in the speed camera zone? Everybody, almost everybody, drives perfectly. Now the question is this: In the speed camera zone, are you afraid of the speed camera? Do you go, speed camera? I'm scared. No, you just say. I'm smart enough to realize that I'm being scrutinized. And because I'm being scrutinized, I'm going to live according to the scrutiny. See, the fear of God is living in the God camera zone. Where you're living your life understanding that God is watching. And because you know that God is watching, you're not afraid of him But you know you're being scrutinized. And so that motivates you to live life according to his standard. And that's what fear of God is about. It's not being afraid of him, but understanding that you're being scrutinized by him. And you live in that God awareness. See, God lovers have got no problem with living in God awareness zone. Why? Because we're God lovers. But if you're not a God lover... Then there's, then there's always checking behind your shoulder business. You know what, what is that checking behind your shoulder business? God's not here to hurt you. He's here to help you. It's not. See, speed cameras are not there to take away your fun. They're there to protect you from killing somebody else or killing yourself. And so, man, you want to live outside of the law? Then you living outside of the law puts you in danger and puts everybody else in danger. Huh? You know, I'm telling you, one of the things. Come on, this is my platform today. I'm going to give my my little two cents worth. Let me tell you, what agitates me so much is binge drinking behavior in our society. I, I I get so disappointed when I hear about young people losing their lives over drunken behavior. And, 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 and I get to a point where I say, what is going on? Why do we think that drunkenness is a good thing? Where, where, where did that come in? Why in the world do young people have to fill themselves up to get drunk, to go out to have a good time? Where do we... Who taught us that being drunk causes you to have a good time? Who... who what madness, what mentality says that you can only have a good time when you are drunk. And then the next day you can remember everything you've done. After being sick with it, what is that? What is that business? See, whereas if you're godly, 
That sort of thing doesn't attract you at all. See, if you're godly, you know, you just, there's just drunkenness. That's not part of my DNA. Being out of control is not part of my DNA. And so if I was in charge of this nation, you know what I would do? I'd make it illegal for people to be drunk in public. You know, just as it's illegal for you to drink and drive, why is that? Because you're actually putting people in danger. If you're going to be out in public drunk, you're putting yourself in danger and putting other people in danger. So why create this havoc in our community? If you want to get drunk, stay at home and get drunk. But if you're going to go on the streets and be in public, you need to be sober. Anyway, that's my two cents worth. I've said what I wanted to say. Now let's move on. (laughs) Okay. Number three. And I'm going to finish with this. Three magnets. What was the first magnet? Giving praise to God. Second magnet was the fear of God. And here's the third magnet, delighting in God's word. That's what it says. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. Just delighting in God's word. Delighting in God's word. And the flip side, see, delighting in God's word actually attracts blessing your way. Not acknowledging his word or his promises repels blessing from you. So that's the flip side. Delighting in his word or not acknowledging his word. So how are you going to live life? Delighting or not acknowledging? See, he's he's one of the, the Psalms that I love. Is Psalm 103. How many of you love Psalm 103? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. See, if you're not delighting in his word, you end up forgetting. How many of you know if there's 7,487 promises? How many of you have memorized 4,700? 7,487 promises. See, if you start memorizing 15, 20, 30, 40, you forget. And so he's David saying, whatever you do, don't forget. And then he starts quoting some of the promises. Who forgives all of your iniquities. How many of you think that's a great blessing to have? Forgiveness, removal of shame. Who heals all your diseases. Come on, how many of you believe in healing? I believe in healing. Who redeems your life from destruction. Come on. You don't have destruction as your destiny. You have construction as your destiny. God's constructing you to live with him forever and ever. Who who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Isn't that a great revelation of God? What a great blessing it is to be crowned with loving kindness and tender mercy. And I love this one. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. (laughs) There's the eagle noise. Don't you love some of those noises? John, that kookaburra noise needs a little bit of help. Actually, Anne does a great kookaburra. She does a great, except she can't pronounce kookaburra. She says kookaburra, and I've been trying to tell her, no, it's cook. And she's getting it. But how many of you would like Anne to do a kookaburra impersonation? You would? You know I'm going to get into big trouble over this, don't you? How many? So so it's either me in trouble or her do a kookaburra impersonation. Both. (laughs) Come on, sweetheart. Do it. it. You can do it. Come on, do a kookaburra impersonation. Here we go. Come on. Here we go. 
Come on, here we go. It's Australia Day. This is Australia Day. How good was that? Aussie, Aussie, Aussie! Aussie, Aussie, Aussie! Aussie! Aussie, Aussie, Aussie! Aussie, Aussie. You go, sweetheart, that was for you. <laughs> I'll keep, did you say? I'm in trouble. See what I do for you people. See the sacrifices I make for you. Pay attention, I'm nearly finished, okay? God's Word, it's a handbook. It's the manufacturer's handbook to a great life. See, see it's, it's all in here, how to live life. It's the handbook for life. Don't ignore it, whatever you do. Don't throw it away, whatever you do. It's the handbook for life. It's the treasure chest. Come on, when you open it up, there's 7,487 pieces of treasure in here. Why don't you start looking for it? It's like a treasure map. It's a treasure chest. Look, look for all the promises that you have. It's in here. Delight in his word. Love his word. You'll attract, you'll attract blessing. And, and it's the road map. Let me tell you, it's the roadmap that leads to the celestial city. It's the roadmap that will lead you to eternal life. It's the roadmap that will reveal God's plan and God's purpose for your life. And so if it's the handbook, the treasure chest, the roadmap, why wouldn't you want to delight in it? Why would you just see it as some dusty old book to be kept in a corner somewhere? Or you take it out every now and then blow the dust off it. Delight in his word. Delight in it. Enjoy it. Love it. Eat it up. Get hold of it. It's full of life. It's treasure for you. And I'm telling you, when you do it, it will attract blessing to you like bees to honey. It'll come to you. You'll, you'll be a blessing magnet. People that praise God, fear God, love his word, become blessing magnets. Let me finish this morning by saying this. The first step to a life of blessing. The first step. The first step. Who can tell me the first step to a life of blessing? What is that? Salvation. You guessed it. To be saved. That's the first step. Give your life to Jesus. Do you know what? Up until that point, you're under the curse. Why is that? Because there's sin in your life. You've broken God's laws, and so you're cursed. You're separated from God. Your sins have separated you from God, is what the Bible says. And so, and so you, your choice is to stay there on that side where you're separated from God in your sin. Or your choice is to cross over to the other side where you have forgiveness. You have redemption. You have salvation. We were singing it this morning. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. See, this is, this is, this is the story of salvation that's found in God's word. It's all in here. This beautiful story of redemption. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. To die upon the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. So when Jesus died upon the cross and his blood was shed, the blood that flowed from the crown of thorns on his head, from the nail scars in his hand and his feet, from the spear that was shoved in his side, the blood that shed, that was shed upon the cross, that lifeblood 
that exited his body, paid the penalty for your sins and mine. That becomes the centerpiece of humanity. So from the beginning of human history to the end of human history, what stands in the middle of human history is the cross of Jesus Christ. It separates it. We have before Christ, after Christ, the center of human history is Jesus Christ who paid the penalty for your sin. So that you don't have to live under the curse, but you can live under the blessing of God. So you don't have to live in guilt and shame and fear of hell and eternal death. But you can live with the understanding that one day you're going to live with God in heaven forever and ever and ever in a place of utter joy. He will wipe away every tear from your eye. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more separation. But eternal joy with God, your creator forever and ever. That's your choice. You can either live on this side of the cross under the curse or on this side of the cross under the blessing. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 